0: This is One Oak Church. We exist to share the hope of
1: Jesus. No matter who you are or where you're at in life, you are welcome. Our mission is simple, to bring people that are far from God, close to Him. Tune in as Pastor Robbie Emery shares how we change the world by loving
0: God and loving others.
1: Hey, my name's Robbie. I get to be the pastor here. Thanks for coming out and being part of One Oak Church. Let's give it up for the band. did they do a great job leading us some worship? It's good to have friends of One Oak here, John and Katie Newcomb, all the way from Houston, Texas. Come on, make some noise for them. Have some family in the house. Thank you, John. Thank you, Katie, for leading us in worship. And thank you for being here. To all of our friends that are in the house, thank you for being with us. Uh, We don't call people guests here or visitors. You are our new friends. And so thank you for being with us today. We're glad that you're here. Um, It's good to have some friends up on stage uh, today it's good to have some friends in the audience um, uh, i I don't get to say this often, but I'd I like to just give a shout out to a great friend of One Oak Church lives here in Royal Oak. Uh, Lorraine Wangler is on our serve team, but John Wangler's here today. John I honor you, sir. thank you for being with us today. one of the greatest quarterbacks at the University of Michigan, um, one of the man of the Anthony Carter Pass, unbelievable, so, uh, <laughs> unbelievable. So thank you, sir, for being here. Thank you to all of you who are here today. Um, to John Oakhorn and Mo Ways, come on, give it up for these guys. <clears throat> Outside of being incredible athletes, they're incredible dressers as well. They got the memo of uh, ripped jeans. We did it, man. Good job, guys. Good job. <laughs> Uh, but we're going to just talk a little bit, and uh, uh, we're just going to share. Uh, these guys have incredible stories. Uh, it's been a privilege to know uh, John for a, a while now and to get to know Mo uh, over this past year. And uh, if you follow Michigan football, you know that John O'corn is the quarterback for the University of Michigan. He wears number eight. And Mo Ways is wide receiver for the University of Michigan. He wears number 85. And uh, am I right? Is good? Yeah, all right. Just make sure, man. Make sure. I know, these, I, I know these guys more off the field than I do on the field. And so, uh, um, man, don't ever play Madden with them because they will beat you. I promise. Um, they are incredible. Uh, but they're great men, and they're, they're a men of faith as well. Um, it's incredible to be able to be on a journey with them and, and to see uh, what God has done through them. Uh, in fact, this year, through Mo and through John, Uh, they have helped bring many people to Christ. In fact, uh, a number is, they have 21 people. 21 people have said yes to Jesus. Um, And it's because of their invitations. It's because of their heart to share their faith and the gospel with everybody. And uh, I thank God for what they're doing and uh, what God is doing through them. Men of faith uh, who play an incredible game of football at the greatest university um, in the world. We'll just say that. (laughs) <laughs> so John, John's originally from Pennsylvania, um, played high school football in Florida, and uh, they won a state championship there in Florida. And then after, uh, after playing football in Florida, John went on to the University of Houston where he uh, started as a freshman quarterback and uh, broke tons of NCAA records as a freshman. Uh, just an incredible athlete, incredible man, and uh, I'm, it's just honored to have John with us today. And Mo, Mo grew right up here in uh, the Metro Detroit area. Um, he is a son of a pastor, preacher, and uh, Moe's birthday is in a few days. On February the 11th, Moe's birthday. So we wish you happy birthday, Moe. We're glad that you're here. The big two one. Well, John, tell us a little about your faith journey and uh, what God's done in your life over the years and, and where he's brought you to where you're at today.
0: Yeah, let me just first say that we're honored to be here as well. And um, love One Oak Church, love your message. You're welcome here unless you're a Michigan State fan, so we can definitely get behind that. Um, no, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my faith journey um, is a lot different than a lot of my friends, I would say. Um, I grew up in a Presbyterian church in central Pennsylvania, a small church. And um, when I was 16, I moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, went to a Catholic high school and was, was always a believer my whole life, but um, never really knew God personally. Um, was more into like the religious side of things uh, than relationship, and, uh, w- but was constantly searching for more. Um, a lot of people's testimonies, um, maybe your own, is, you know, you went through a, a tragic experience and, and it led you to God, and, and that's amazing. I mean, I think God can use anything uh, to bring you closer to him, but that wasn't necessarily the case for me. Um, I checked off every, every goal, every aspiration that I had almost my entire life and was just still unfulfilled and, and still empty and finally when I met Jesus, uh, my first weekend in Houston, it changed my life and uh, I've never been the same since. So that's kinda my, the abridged version of my testimony. Um, nothing's been the same, that was four years ago, so.
1: And John, John made this radical commitment to Christ, you know, and I I love the heart of this this guy and I've had the privilege to know and watch him from a distance for a while. Um, He had this radical commitment, just like I'm going all in, you know, he went all in. Once he made that decision, once he uh, met Christ, just kind of build his relationship. Um, Where were you baptized? I love the, John was, we just did baptisms here at our church a couple weeks ago and and many were baptized. Tell us about your baptism story.
0: Yeah, so three and a half years ago, I think it was, I was hanging out at a friend of mine's house, who's a, a pastor in Houston, Texas, and uh, we had been having just some discussions for for a few weeks about getting baptized, and uh, he was just telling me what it meant. You know, I didn't want to do it until I knew what it meant, you yeah. know, and um, finally, we were talking about it, and it was probably three or four in the afternoon on, like, a random Tuesday in the summer. It was in July, and he was like... Hey, I got a pool right down the street, community pool. So we walked down the street and he baptized me right there in the pool. Uh, people were all around giving us awkward stares and trying to figure out what was going on. Why is this guy dunking him underwater? But uh, yeah, it was great. Changed another life-changing moment for me.
1: I love it. Every, every, I, I love the fact that you guys just, it didn't matter. You want to get baptized in, there's a public pool, let's do this. It was an act of faith. It wasn't about the place. It was just about your act of faith and, and your incredible mentor leading you to that moment. And uh, Uh, Who knows? Who knows what, when the people were there that day, maybe they Googled what just happened to you. I don't know, Uh, but checked it out more and maybe they started an act of faith because I know um, on the stage that you guys are on every weekend, uh, especially in the fall, um, you guys take steps. Uh, You make incredible plays, but the plays you make before you ever throw the football, the plays when you go to your knee and you pray or you make your proclamation of faith where thousands, if not millions are watching and uh, that's amazing, and I just wanna commend you, wanna commend Mo, uh, just incredible acts of faith. Uh, n- none of us have the stage that they have, none of us in this room, uh, and they do. And uh, they're sharing their faith every day. And so, man, way to go. That's awesome, John, awesome, incredible. <clears throat> Mo Ways, I mean, you, you just, as far as like having the coolest name, you have the coolest name, like Mo Ways, <laughs> come on. <laughs> And bro, you are like, I, I, I try to follow the guys on social media, John, Moe, and, and other football players, and uh, uh, I, I'll comment every now and then. I call them family, because they are. Uh, Moe will just, he'll just dress, he dress, I call it church clothes, because Mo just, he's dresses. he's got his hat on. You look good, man. You win today. We all lose, Moe wins. You dress great, man. I honor you, man. Um, looking good. Uh, Moe, tell us about your journey. Growing up in Metro Detroit, uh, Played for Country Day, right? Come on, right down the street. I'm on, any Country Dayers in the house? Yeah, there we go. A few in here. Um, but yeah, tell us about your story and your faith journey and, and what God's done in your life.
2: Um, so first off, like John said, thank you for having us today, Glad man. Here, man. Um, so my dad's a pastor. Um, he's in the ministry, uh, Kojic Church, Church of God in Christ uh, in Detroit, Michigan. And um, I'm the youngest of three kids. My, I have an older sister, an older brother. And... My dad taught me at an early age that he was my father first and my pastor second. And that basically meant that, uh, you know, any normal problems I'm having, uh, you know, growing up, that I can come to him about it. You know, Uh, him being a pastor does not dictate, you know, what I tell him or what's going on in my life, but he's my father first. And my parents took that on together in raising me and my brother and sister because they never really shoved religion down our throat. You know, although we were uh, pastors' kids. They still raised us with, you know, the biblical uh, the biblical way, but at the same time with the world uh, with the world way as well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They never shifted us one way or the other. Um, so growing up, you know, I went to church all the time, but I just did it because I had to. You yeah. know, I was young. My parents went, so I had to go wherever they went. Um, so I never really had my own relationship with God. I knew God. You know, I knew what it meant to be a Christian and how you had to believe in Jesus that he died on the cross. but. I never knew like what it meant for me to know him myself and for um uh, for him, for me to figure out how he deals with me personally. And that didn't really happen until last year, honestly. Um last year was probably probably like the lowest point in my life in all phases, emotionally, physically, mentally. It just felt like one thing after another kept going wrong, you know what I'm saying? Relationships, um I broke my foot last year. You know, I had family issues and it's like everything kept going bad. And I'm like, I know you, God, but I don't feel like you're here. You know what I'm saying? And I was talking to my mom one night. And she said, son, you're at the age where you got to know him for yourself. Good. And you can't know him because of your what your dad does or because what I tell you, because you know your friends around you, you got to know him for, for you. Right. And I remember last year around January is when that process began. Um, That's when I really, I went like on a 30 day fast the first month of January. And I didn't know what I was fasting for. I just knew I needed to fast. And I was like, God, whatever you want me to learn, whatever you wanna teach me, whatever I'm supposed to get from this experience, like let me get it now because I don't wanna feel this ever again. And some way that fast ended up propelling me the whole year and growing my relationship with him, knowing who he is more, surrounding myself with people who, who believe who have the same faith as me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, and like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't sit here in front of you people today this time last year. Right. So I wasn't there, you know, in my faith and my spirituality to even talk to anybody about God, you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't know him for myself. Um, so by going through what I went through last year and looking back at me February 5th, 2016, and February 5th, 2017, I'm a totally different man. Um, so it's definitely a testament to the process I went through, the pain I felt, um, but the victory I'm, I'm having now. So, it's wow. beautiful.
1: So yeah. good, Mo! Wow, what a <laughs> incredible testimony. I <laughs> mean, it's one of the highlights of, of my week is to be able to be around these guys and to uh, just to see them in their element, to see them what they're doing every day. Uh, they're college students, and uh, uh, but they're incredible men of faith and um, at, in ann arbor at the university of michigan just being able to pray with these guys being able to uh, to lead them to be able to just share some stories and, and to preach with them and to just do whatever we can to help them in their walk and uh, john and mo not only are they the closest of friends but they they're actually roommates and um, spend some time at their house and uh, We've always, we'll have guys over, like I said, we'll play Madden, eat pizza. What else college student's gonna do, right? That's what we do. Um, I just roll with them. And um, it's fun, man. And uh, uh, but John and Mo, the closest relationships, but they're also, because they're so close and, and because they have a heart for ministry, and we all know that the church is more than just the four walls here. Um, the church is not a place, it's a person. Every person in here is the church. And anytime there's any type of injustice, um, the church should rise up. We should. Um, we should rise up in love. Um, hate never fixed anything, right? Never. But love does. Love conquers all. Love fixes all. And so as a church, we should rise up in love. And with all the uh, racial injustices that have been happening uh, over the past year and years, um, that we've seen it more prevalent over the past a couple years uh, than we've seen in a while uh, maybe it's because of social media maybe it's media whatever's driving it uh, it's not right and we need to do something about it and as a church we want to do something about it and Mo and John have stepped up and they've made some differences on the campus of the University of Michigan they have talked on panels like this in front of their, their peers in front of faculty they have done a lot of things to help uh, fix the problem and I appreciate you guys doing that and um, I want them to kind of speak on that today uh, to the point of how can we as a church, how can we help? What can we do to make a difference? We're a spirit-led church. We want to be a multicultural, multi-generational church. We want people who are hip and we want people who need a hip, right? Multi-generational. Danielle and I prayed when we started the church, pray God, please don't let everyone in the church look like us. Please don't let it just be 35-year-old white people. They don't want it to be that way. We want a multicultural church. And so we want to be intentional about it. And uh, want to do what we can to make a difference and help those and just do everything that we can to have that type of church and lead that way. And so, Mo, tell us, what, what, as a church, as, as believers, one of some things maybe you face, things you've talked about, things you've shared with others just kind of help and just make a difference, man. Tell us about how, what we can do.
2: Um, one thing my dad always preaches at his church is that the church is not for the perfect. So church is for the broken people who yeah. don't have it figured out, who need help, who have addictions, who have things they struggle with. Because this is where they get it right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And this, and these walls with the message, with the music, with the people. This is where they come to get it right. It's good. Um, so with that being said, it's like <clears throat> You can't shun anybody away, no matter what they look like, you know what their preferences are, where they come from. As a believer, you have to embody that. You know, I may not know you personally, but I know that who I believe in can help you how he how he helped me.
1: That's so good. You know what
2: I'm saying? Regardless of skin color, um, regardless of you know who you are. I know me and John talked about it. Remember one night uh, I got stopped on my way home by the police. And I was scared, yeah. you know. I, I was really, I was terrified. It was around twelve o'clock, coming home, and uh, I was at a, I was at a stoplight or a red light, and I saw him pull it behind me. So I just made sure that I didn't do anything to, you know, take him off or whatever. So I kept driving, and the lights came on. And the minute the lights came on, my heart sunk, and I'm like, I'm not trying to be next.
1: Yeah. Honestly, that's what okay. I really thought. I'm not trying to be next. But that's unfortunately, that's the reality. It's a reality that I don't face that, but Mo does, and yeah. others do. And, and I, that's, that's horrible, Mo. Yeah. And I'm sorry that you felt that way, but tell us the tell us story. Yeah,
2: um, so I pulled over, and I made sure I pulled over where there was enough light. where If yeah. anybody came by, they could, you know, see what's going on. So um, I had my seatbelt on. He came up to the window older white man, and uh, he said, you know why I stopped you? And I said, no. He said, you were going five over. You know, you're going 40 in the 35. I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm going five. You stopped me for going five over. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's, that's that's normal. <laughs> you
1: know? um, How I, many's I, ever gone five over the speed <laughs> limit? Just raise your hand. And those of you who are not raising yeah. your hand, there'll be altar call later on. Just so you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so repent. you know, of course, I was very respectful. Um, so one thing my dad taught me was, anytime I get pulled over, to call somebody and mm-hmm. just put them on speaker, just in case anything happens. So I called my sister; she didn't answer. Called my brother; he didn't answer. I knew my parents were asleep, so I'm like, "It's just me and you, guys. Let's see what's up. You know what I'm saying? Let's see what happens." I didn't get a phone call. <laughs> so, uh, no. But so yeah. So he came into my window, and he said, "I was going to fall over." So I said, I'm, "You know, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was going to file over. Uh, whatever." He said, "Do you have your license and registration?" I said, "Officer, my my uh, my wallet's in my back pocket." Do you want to get it or should I get it? He said, you can get it. I said, okay, I'm taking my seatbelt off. I'm getting my wallet. I'm going to give it to you. Um, so I did that. But I'm th- so he took it and went back and did what he had to do. But I'm thinking to myself, like, why am I so scared right now? You know what I'm saying? Like, these guys get paid to protect us. Like, my brother's a cop. And, you know, I see what he goes through every day. And I'm like, if your job, if your occupation, if your livelihood is to protect people, why am I terrified of you? Yeah. You know why, why do I feel like you won't protect me? Right. Um, so thankfully, nothing happened, but that drive, like, that drive home after, I'm just like, this isn't right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, it, it shouldn't be like this. I came home, I'm told John, I'm like, man, I just got to stop by the cops. And he was like, bro, like, I'm sorry you feel that way, but like you said, I will never understand. You know, he was like, I can feel the pain you feel by seeing you, but I would never understand that reality, and you know it's hard because, I mean, being a black man, especially at any university, predominantly white—that's what you know. Just being honest, yeah. people look at you like if you didn't play a sport, you wouldn't be there. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember my freshman year, um, I was in the, in the dorm, I was on the elevator going up to my room. This older white man came on. It was just me and him. I had no Michigan gear on at all. No Michigan gear, no book bag, nothing on me. He said Michigan football, nothing. Had regular clothes on. He looked at me. He looked me up and down. He said, football or basketball? And I was, I'm, I'm an 18-year-old kid, fresh in college. And I don't know if he meant to offend me, but he, I don't think he understood what he had just said to me. What I heard was...
1: What people don't know about Mo, though. Mo is one of the smartest guys on the planet. Like his academics are out the roof, and uh, I honor you, Mo. So I want to pause there yeah. and just say, he's, you're you're an incredibly brilliant man. Thank you, man. And, Appreciate
2: that. Um, and and I think that's kind of that was my first smack in the face of wow, this is this is different, yeah. you know. And I, I you know I said I play football, and he said, yeah, you you look you look like it. <laughs> I'm like, what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, you see a tall black guy, that means he plays a sport. Um, But that's the reality, though. You know? Um, So I think with that, you got to have awareness. You got to have understanding. um, You got to have knowledge of the situation. Um, You can't speak on anything you don't know that you don't have any knowledge about, you know, or that you don't have any understanding about. That's why with me, anything I speak on, you know, racially, spiritually, whatever, I make sure that I know what I'm talking about. I don't want to give you bad information, and you go say, "Well, Mo said this." Well, Mo don't know what he's talking about, yeah. so therefore, my credibility is shot. Yeah. You know, from there on point. Um, so I think you gotta just really be who you say you are. Like, if you really are a lover of God and you're a father of God, so show that in everything you do, not just in church or just you know on Sundays, but Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, be who you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, tell people that's not right, you know, God, that, that's, that's not, God don't like ugly, as my dad always said, God don't like ugly, and that's ugly, you know what I'm saying, um, and I think with me and John, we've we've taken unknowingly just, you know, the panels we do and the, and the conversations we're in, that's just who we are, I, I mean, I know me personally, I'm sure it's the same for John, we're not looking for any spotlight, you know what I'm saying, we're not trying to, you know, have our face plastered on the front news, it's just like, I'm passionate what I believe in. I'm gonna speak up when given the opportunity, and if by doing that puts me on the platform, then that's great.
1: Did they do a write-up in the Free Press Mo about? Uh, was there a write-up or uh, or on some other news something about
2: uh, me about and John. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, John did a, a panel on Martin Luther King Day right. about changing the game, and I just went to support John. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a part of the event at all. I just went to you know support him. And the question came up. Somebody asks, um, "As a student athlete, did we do anything to take a stand during the um, like the killings of of innocent black men, like you know, in 2016?" And yeah. I raised my hand. I said, "Yeah." So as a football team, mostly as a black guys, there was probably about 20 of us. Jordan Lewis, Devion Smith, um, a lot of us, a lot of those guys. We talked about it one day in the locker room, and realized we like, "We got to do something." That's good. We can't just keep letting this go by and play every Saturday. Like, we're not affected. Yeah. And we look at guys like Colin Kaepernick and the NFL guys, and they're, they're, they they've made it. We're trying to get to where they're at. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So we have to be really careful on how vocal we are, what kind of stands we take, because we're still unemployed college athletes <laughs> trying to get to where they are.
1: I, I love what Coach Harbaugh said. Um, one of the things he said concerning this is he said, in this, the things that we're facing, just make sure that you're educated. Yeah, exactly. When you're asked a question about what you're doing or even why you're doing it, mm-hmm. just make sure you have an answer. Right. Make sure you know why you're doing it. I think as a church, we should be the same way. We should make sure we know why we're doing it, that we define it, and, uh, uh, and that's what John and Mo have, have been able to do. Um, John, as Mo said, John was on a panel a few weeks ago um, with uh, Ward Manuel, uh, who's the uh, athletic director for the university. Uh, with Desmond Howard, uh, a lot of other uh, incredible leaders in the community, in the university, and, and, and around the country. And, and John was asked to be a part of that. And it was a panel talking about this very thing. And uh, John, just kind of tell us, we saw, or heard Mo's story, that uh, maybe being pulled over at midnight, and, and it was kind of the catalyst to maybe just start speaking louder or just having those locker room discussions that break from the locker room into the classroom into the community. Um, as we say this often here at church, is, it's great. We can have worship here. We can do great things here in this building, but if it doesn't leave this place, we might as well close the doors. What are we doing? You know, We got to go into the community and be Christians. We got to go in the community and make a difference and show the love of Christ.
0: Yeah, that's something. I, I'm a big believer that, that change stems from, from understanding, and understanding stems from conversation. And uh, that's something should that, write that down, folks. I hope you
1: got that. Tweet that. So,
0: that's, <laughs> sorry. That's something that Mo and I are very intentional about um, is conversation, that's good. Um, because, like he said, um, there's a lot of things that I'll never understand from my own perspective, my own experiences. So, I have to live vicariously through him. And, um, like he said that, that night that he came home, I'll never forget it. It was probably it probably happened 15 minutes before he got home, and he was still shaking. And, wow. Um, that was one of those moments that I kind of realized, you know, living with a black man, this wasn't something that just affects me when I'm in the locker room or when I'm around my friends, it's in my own home now. Yeah. Um, so it really that really hit home for me. Um, but, you know, throughout the past year and a half, I think there's been a lot of opportunities for us to have conversations uh, with the elections. Uh, we sat down, we watched, all the conventions together, all the speeches. Um, anytime a, another hashtag of another innocent black man uh, came up, we talked about it. Um, even every, Everything, everything we talked about. Um, and we sit there every night and we do homework together at our kitchen table and a lot of times it's complete silence as we're grinding away, but a lot of times one of us will speak up and the homework will stop and we'll, before we know it, it's one in the morning and we're still deep in a conversation, so. Um, That's the biggest thing for me.
1: Um, I think more conversations will lead to less confrontation. I think if we talk more, uh, there'll be less tragedy. And I think that's, we need to reach across and just communicate on a a level uh, where we're all children of God and we are. And uh, let's just talk more. John, um, I want you to just share an encouraging word with the church. Um, Just kind of give them a word, tell them something encouraging, preach to them for a couple minutes and then. Uh, just, they need it, man. Trust me. Yeah,
0: real real quick, before I move on to that, um, one of the things that, that we took away from the panel on Martin Luther King Day was there was a clear divide between the athletic side of, of the University of Michigan and the students, the, the non-athletes. Um, so now, since that day, two, three weeks ago, we've been working to bridge that gap. And that's something where It's on the student athletes who, although we have very busy schedules, we have to be intentional about joining clubs, joining conversations with students, uh, with faculty up on campus and go out of our way uh, to be more involved. Because we walk into a locker room every day where there's people that don't look anything like us. And we're working towards the same goals with the same missions every single day. So we kind of have this, unfortunately, this false perception that everything's okay when we walk into a locker room. And that's not the same same idea up on campus, you know it's completely different, and we can kind of be blind to that fact, so you know we you for you guys, you know you walk into a church that's multicultural multiracial, and that might not be the case where you work. Yeah. that might not be the case you know in your barber shop in your coffee shop that you walk to every day um, so the conversations that you have here need to lead right. into that, and like we're trying to have conversations with our faculty with the leaders of our university be intentional about reaching out to the mayor's office or you know your, your senator or your congressman, your congresswoman. I think that's huge, that's the next step um, in understanding in progress and change. So good. Um, as far as for a message, something I, I try to incorporate into my life is three, three questions uh, that I, I try to ask myself to hold myself personally accountable. Um, And it really stems from from a verse in Proverbs that says, when the righteous fall, seven times they get back up. They get back up every time. And, um, but the three questions that I ask myself are, the first one is, um, sorry I'm blanking right now. (laughs) What is it? Um, are Are you afraid of falling? you're going to fall. Do your dreams scare you? If your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. And that's the harsh reality is, are you too comfortable to get out of your comfort zone and do something that's going to launch you into the next level of your destiny? So are you afraid of falling? The second question is this, what's going to be there when you fall? Do You have a firm foundation. Is Jesus the foundation of your life? Because my whole life until I was 18 years old, I tried to build my life on all these different things. And this foundation was just a foundation of sand. It just withered away. Um, and the final question is who, who's there to lift you up when you fall? And first of all, it's obviously Jesus. If you have that firm foundation, he'll stop you from falling. He'll lift you up, put you back on your feet. But do you have people around you? Do you have solid people around you like, like Mo, like Robbie, who are gonna lift you back up when you fall? I love this story in Luke 5 about the paralyzed man. He has four friends that carry him up on a mat, literally tear shingles off of a roof to get him to Jesus. They were willing to do anything to get him to Jesus. Do you have friends that are willing to tear a roof off for you, willing to carry you miles on a mat while you're paralyzed, while you're down to get you to Jesus, to get you where you need to go? So those are the three questions that I ask myself. Are you afraid of falling? What's gonna be there when you fall? And who's there to lift you back up. So good. Come on, give it up for John.
1: Thank you, John. Thank so much. Mo, give a word to the church and then, then pray over us, man. Yeah. Um,
2: I thought about this, and I've, I've been wondering. I have a question for you as well. Do you love God based on conditions? Yeah. My mom asked me that question last year. She said, do you love God based on conditions? I said, what does that mean? She said, if everything you pray for does not happen, will you still love him? good. And I thought about it. Yeah. I'm like, will I? Honestly. Because, you know, we're so caught up in this world, you know, in our in our flesh, in our human beings. Everybody wants to accomplish this great thing and be this great person and make that amount of money. But when this is all done you're going one or two places that's right. and that's for eternity. Yeah. And if you think about it, eternity is literally forever. Yeah. Literally. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like that's forever. So is it worth missing out on this opportunity now to really get to know yeah. because you want to be looked at from people who really won't matter once you leave here, Come on. especially if they're not going with you to heaven. Yeah. They really won't matter. Um, so when she asked me that question, that changed my whole perception on everything and how I even carry myself. I remember before the, every game last year, up until that point, Mom, I would always pray. So we prayed as a team, and then we prayed as like a group of guys, and then I would stay behind and pray with myself. And I would always pray like, God, let me ball out today. Let me, let me do this. <laughs> let me do that. Let me have a great game. But after that, I'm talking to my mom. My prayer changed to just let your will be done. It's good. Whatever it may be, whether I have a great game, whether I have a bad game, whether I play 10 snaps, 20 snaps, 30 snaps, whatever your will for me today is, let that be done. Good. And I took that from a pregame prayer to the prayer of my life. Wow. And looking back at last year when I thought that I knew what was best for me in terms of relationships, in terms of the direction my life was going, and I really fought God on that. Um, I remember I prayed a specific prayer. I got a specific answer, but I didn't like the answer. Hmm. So I tried to justify the answer by saying, oh, that's not what he really meant. (laughs) And things ended up getting worse. But looking back at it now, I'm so thankful that he made it clear that that wasn't it for me. You know, that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And that made my faith and my trust in him even... Even crazier, like even more tight, because I've always struggled with like faith and trust. Because when things don't look how you want them to look, you lose sight of it. Right. You're like, I mean, I pray for this guy, but it, it don't look good. But when you when you know who he is and have that foundation, you get a peace in your spirit because he gives you the heart, every, all the desires of your heart, and he and, and he's he's faithful to the righteous
1: and. Well I, I love, you said this a few minutes ago. You said last year, compared to this year, totally different. And it was, there were some relationships lost but there were some relationships that were started. Yeah. And some of the things we say around the program, we say life moves at the speed of the relationships. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Exactly. And I hope I hope you hear these guys' hearts. Like the, these two are friends and I'm telling you they're gonna make a difference. Whether you watch them on television, playing football in the league, or you, are you going to vote for them someday running for office? I don't know. You know these guys are going to make a difference and do incredible things. And their level of faith and their heart uh, to see lives forever change is huge. Mo, I want, you to, I want you to pray that prayer to our church today. Pray your will be done, God. Not what I want, not, not all the things that I want in my life, but what you want for my life. Make that happen. Pray that over our church today, Mo. Can everybody
2: stand and uh, lock hands with the person next to you. You can intertwine between the hours as well. Um, dear Lord, I thank you for this day. Yeah. I thank you for protecting us and watching over us and bringing us here safely, Lord. Um, dear God, I pray that you a lot of things that I said, that John said, that Robbie said, to change someone here today and, and allow them to change somebody else and allow it to be in a chain effect where um, changes are made and mindsets are different and stereotypes are gone and um people are made better because of you and because of what they've heard today um god i pray that you bring us together as one that you allow us to see gender or see race or see color um, but to see lovers of christ yeah, and to see people good. who want to get to know you better who want to get closer to you lord um i pray that you use us as vessels lord whatever um you have our purpose for our life to be god let us fulfill it let your will be done um mm-hmm. I pray that you um, bless everybody with the desire of their heart, that God, I love you, Lord, and um, to not love you on conditions, but to love you regardless. It's like, God, even if it doesn't happen, I'm going to still good. love you. Yes, I'm going to still trust you. Yeah. I'm going to yes, still Lord. lean on you, God, for understanding. And I just pray that you bless everybody in this building tonight, I mean today, Lord, that you allow them to uh, go forth and come back, God, safely and to keep their families safe, give them great health, Lord, and watch over them, God, for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week, God, for the whole year. I just bless everybody, God. Give them victory, God, in everything they do. Um, I pray that you bless anybody that they're in contact with at the same time, Lord. And just, I thank you for everything you've done for us in this room, God. I pray that you continue to bless us, God. We thank you for what you've already done, for what you're going to do, God. And even for things you don't do, God, we thank you for that as well. In your name I pray, amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Come on, give it up for our Michigan Wolverines. Come on.